awkward is it in church, by the way, when you have to stand up there, everyone looks at you, and then you have to like vote for yourself on a calling? <laughs> and I was like, eh, I vote yeah. for myself. What if I don't? I'm like, nah. Self-confidence. No, no, I'm good. Yeah. Love you, Cosmo. Like platonically and romantically. I love Cosmo. <laughs> it's amazing. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst, national champion for BYU football. Frankly, if he ran for political office, he would have my vote. Blaine, welcome back Depends. to the show. I need to hear some. I need to learn a little more. I like. I like Blaine as a person. I don't yeah. know his stance. Are, on are stuff. you a man that we can trust? Jared doesn't know my platform. Jared needs my I need, platform. I need your before platform. He's yeah. okay with that, right? Yeah. Oh, you will. You will like my platform, Jared. I'm like sure. It. Fantastic. Okay, Blaine, uh, why don't you offer your political opinion or not on where BYU basketball stands on the men's side and their chances for making the NCAA tournament? I'm of the opinion that if they have a chance to play San Francisco on Saturday in the quarterfinals, maybe that's the elimination game of sorts that gives BYU a chance to get in, keeps the Dons out. Where do you stand on that? Yes, certainly I think that 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 would be huge is the opportunity to play them because they've got to do something. Um, well, first of all, they can't lose any games this week, which I don't, if they play the way they did Saturday night, I think they're, they're in good shape. Honestly, against St. Mary's on the road, I know they didn't come out and play great in the first half, but I think they played gritty enough and came together enough in the second half, barring some turnovers down the stretch. Um, they were good enough to beat anybody in the league, except for St. Mary's on the road and Gonzaga anywhere in the world. Um, and, and so that's the way if they had played the last couple of weeks, um, where we wouldn't even be talking about them being on the bubble at all. Right. And so I felt like they had a coming together in the second half against St. Mary's, but they still have to do something. And then the sad part is, you know, 16 seconds to go into Santa Clara game. They're in a position where we're not even talking about a bubble. Um, and they literally have a meltdown down the stretch, um, which I think carried over to the next game. And now we're talking about bubbles and bubbles sitting on thorns and like all kinds of things. <laughs> and we find ourselves, we see, and it's, I, I look at it this way. A pin went into the bubble, um, but right now the head of the pin is pressed up against the bubble. So just like stuff's leaking around it, right? That's how precarious they are weird. right now. We're, yeah, it's, that, that's, that's the visual I have. We're any touch of anything on that, it's just going to, it's just going to burst and be gone. Um, but I think if they get a chance to win these two this week and, and play San Francisco or, um, th- then all of a sudden there's an opportunity to maybe sneak in, but you, now all of a sudden we're watching all these other teams, like what's Loyola Chicago doing? Who cared about them two weeks ago? How about Memphis? You know, what, what's Memphis going to do now? We're watching Michigan who they're still talking about being e- even with a 14, 11 record in the big 10, North Carolina, you mentioned, I'm going to slap you through Spencer. the camera, Blaine. Yeah, it's. It's it's. I'm watching TCU, Indiana, and Creighton right now. Yes, yes, all of them. I didn't even care about those teams two weeks ago. Didn't even care because they didn't matter. But all of a sudden, all of that matters right now, and and it's completely out of BYU's hands. Um, the the thing that's in their hands, they got to go win. They got to hope for a good matchup uh, in the tournament, whether it's against you know a win against San Francisco. I think would be helpful and. And I don't know. There's a chance they could match up with St. Mary's in that tournament, with as crazy as the tiebreakers could be in this thing. I'm, I'm not right enough that they couldn't beat St. Mary's on a neutral floor the way they played the other night. Um, and so, one of those two teams they have to play. Uh, 
let, let's not talk Cinderella and all this craziness with Gonzaga. Gonzaga's not losing. They're going to win yeah. the finals in that tournament by 20. They're that good. Yes. So, yeah. I, I, a 16-second melt. People keep talking about 40 seconds. I submit it's in the last 16 seconds that they melted <laughs> down. 16-second so meltdown of St. Clair carries over to the next game, and now we're having a completely d- different discussion. But I'm going to say this. I really like the way they played in the second half of that game against St. Mary's and felt like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe a little bit of confidence and unity came back to this team, and I saw some fight, um, and perhaps that carries into this tournament. They're very precarious right now. they got to pin all the way to the head of the pin, stick into the bubble. And the hope is that if BYU plays San Francisco and wins, that that would be enough. That's the hope. Um, <laughs> so It just feels very precarious as we're talking about. One, we need yeah. that matchup, and two – Buey needs to win it, and three, hopefully that's enough. Hopefully that's enough. So we'll see if that even happens in Vegas. Yeah, long, it's, a, it's a long shot at this point, guys. But crazier things have happened, right? Crazier things have happened. Blaine Fowler is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, to what do you attribute BYU's struggles during that four-game losing streak and primarily for the back half of conference season? Is it teams figuring out how to play BYU better and then the injuries to the big men? Like, Where do you spin that wheel of blame, if you will, on why this has happened? Well, it's the two things that you talked about, but in reverse order. So the injuries didn't really affect BYU early, right after the injuries, uh, because teams weren't quite sure um, how – how to take advantage of that. And BYU was so good on the guard line during that time that, that they may do um, without Richie and without, without Gavin. Um, but then I think eventually there's really good coaches in this league and the team and the league's better this year and teams figured out um, how to attack deep or offensively against BYU's defense. And as good as Foose and the Tiki are as freshmen um, and we see him block shots, uh, but but they're not quite like Richie Harward back there who has an unbelievable command of the defensive rotations. Not only is he getting to the spots quick, but he's making calls back there to make sure everybody else is in their rotations. And Gavin Baxter's a shot eraser. And also they've been in the program so long that that one second on a rotation defensively is a difference between somebody having to pull up and shoot a mid range contested jump shot or getting all the way to the rim and finishing. And you see the, field goal percentage that teams have shot down the stretch against BYU. It's, it's not BYU's offense that has problems, although there have been times when they're stagnant, when they when they start to, to double Alex 30 feet away from the basket. But I think BYU's figured that out. It's on the defensive end, in the back end, where sometimes they're slow on the rotations. The teams just get way too many easy buckets. And so it's it's the combination of not having veterans back there. They have unbelievably talented young players back there. Um, but there's no substitute for understanding and just reacting on your rotations and not letting people get to the rim. And so to me, that's, that's the reason the inability to get stops and, and the, and the, the tendency to let teams get to the rim when they want to get to the rim with rotations, just being a little slower than they would be. If you had those other two guys there, that's a long answer, but that's, that's my take on it. Is Alex Barcelo a better shooter than Jimmer Fredette? Um, that's a good, that's, he's certainly unbelievably consistent with his threes. Like percentage wise, I don't think you can argue. Um, and I, I was talking to, to some of the other coaches this year and they just said, no, that people don't understand how good a shooter is. They said, he's, 
he may be the best three-point shooter in the country when it comes to just knocking down shots. Um, Jimmer had a better ability to take the ball off the dribble, create space, and just elevate over the top of somebody and knock down that shot. Um, but but Alex, and that guy, if, if you leave him a tiny bit of room, like I expect every three-point shot he takes to go down. That That's how good he is. So <laughs> they have a little bit – they have a little bit different way that they get their shot. You know, um, Jimmers is a lot off, off the dress, taking people and, and, uh, you know, uh, pressing forward and then stepping back and knocking it down or dribbling off a screen or, um, but, uh, I would think from a percentage wise, it's hard to argue that, that Alex is maybe a more consistent three point shooter. Blaine, let's finish with BYU football. Spring ball begins in just a week. What's the buzz around BYU football as Kalani Satake and company approach another spring season. It's interesting because it's so different than last year, the feel. Last year, there were a lot of new guys uh, that, that were coming in. And remember all the guys that left to go early um, to the NFL and you lose your first-round draft pick quarterback. And um, So as they were going through kind of player walkthroughs leading into spring ball, it was almost like they were starting from scratch. The feel this year is that they're just going to hit the ground running. They have so many returning guys on both sides of the ball that they don't have to spend much time in figuring out the basics of what they do in their packages. Those are pretty much in before they even get to spring ball. So now it's some really fun position battles. Um, they're going to be way ahead in terms of what's installed for game one next fall because they're going to be way ahead starting in spring ball. And I, I, I love that. That's why my expectations, and we talked about it on this show about this time last year, for BYU, I thought if they got to eight wins last year, you know, that, that that would be really, really good based on inexperience. My expectations are, even with a crazy schedule, higher this year because I think they're a really veteran football team. And now I'm just going to be watching some of these great position battles, like the influx of new talent at running back. How's that going to shake out? Because there's some veteran group, group coming back. A lot of veterans at wide receiver. But is this when Chase Roberts just steps up? at wide receiver, and we all go, yeah, that's the dude we thought we had when we recruited him. I think that's going to happen. I think Chase Roberts is going to emerge, and all of a sudden you've got Romney and Nakua and Roberts, maybe one of the best receiving cores in the country before it's all said and done. Keanu so Hill, let, I'm, Blaine? I'm say, yeah, Keanu. I, the, the fact that I'm mentioning him fourth is crazy. Right. right? Um, and, then, and then how's Kingsley going to assimilate in? Do they move some people around? Tons of offensive linemen bunch of guys played last year. We're back to where they were two years ago with a ton of depth on the offensive line. So offensively, I couldn't be more excited with a veteran quarterback coming back who's a potential NFL guy with a veteran deep offensive line with great receivers and uh, and loaded at running back and tight end. So, um, you know, we, we can talk about defense another time if you want to. I'm pretty I'm pretty bullish on the <laughs> on the defense as well. But but offensively, this is an unbelievably veteran group. Uh, that's just going to start with our full packages in right at the bring up, uh, beginning of spring ball. And, and we watch some of these new guys come in and the and impact that they're going to have. Yeah, this is an, exci- this is an exciting time, um, and we're going to see some stars emerge in spring ball that will carry over to the fall. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. As promised, dual threat, tackling basketball and football. Blaine, really, there isn't much of an offseason for football anymore. I know it is, but hey, if we're in spring ball and we've got the draft coming up, let's just let's ride the high. Yeah, and I'll tell you, like the veteran guys, they've been going through player walkthroughs where the players just get together in their off seasons. They're so veteran. They've been doing, they've been inserting 
um, their offense and defense the last couple weeks before they even get to spring ball because they have it. enough veteran guys to be able to do that without coaches being out there, which is that puts you way ahead. So yeah, football is all see it's all season wrong. You, you take a breath all long. You take a breath for a couple of weeks in January and you get back at it. And certainly that's been the case for BYU. So, Hey, I, I have to mention you guys. Um, I went to the women's basketball game Saturday. Yep. And my goodness, what an unbelievable, I'm not even gonna say women's college basketball environment. What an unbelievable college basketball environment Saturday at the Marriott center. It was off the charts. Amazing and electric in there. And Juddy, I, I look at that team top to bottom depth, front court, back court. They do not have a weakness. This team's going to do some damage in the NCAA tournament. I love the team that Juddy has. This has to be his best collection he's ever had. They are really good. Yes, and they just, need, they just need to validate it by getting back to his third Sweet 16. They, they have to get to the Sweet 16, and then we'll call them the best team in BYU history. Yeah, that was fun. And, and kudos to BYU. My shout-out today is to BYU's fan base that went yeah. on senior day and created an environment that very few men's college basketball teams have an environment to match what we all experienced Saturday in the Marriott Center. That yeah. was really cool. It's fantastic. Better than St. Mary's men's. Blackout, senior day. Oh, way better. Yes. Not close. <laughs> <laughs> Blaine delivering the good news as usual. Thanks for the time, man. All right, guys. Thanks. Uncle B on BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Give me your best St. Mary's face. Yep, BYU loses to St. Mary's. Let's go ahead and update the resume, shall we? Starting with the net rankings, BYU down to number 54, dropping three spots from Friday. 52 in Ken Palm, that's minus six spots. And in bracketology, here's where things are still a little bit interesting. BYU's just the third team out. But then you compare that to what team ranking says, BYU has all of a 5.2% chance to make the tournament. What in the world? They're still in 84 brackets on bracket makers. And they're in 84 probably, brackets. Probably before St. Mary's. Jerem, looking at those numbers, bracketology, team rankings, very different ends of the spectrum, it would seem. Are BYU's tournament chances unofficially over, or do they still have a shot? Listen, San Francisco's net is still good enough for BYU to perhaps get a uh, – quarterfinal matchup there. Yep. That's 29. So that could be the one game that could help you get in. But it just depends on the bubble. Like, are other teams going to have better wins than you? Uh, North Carolina doesn't have better wins than BYU, yet they're like eight spots in. Yeah. It's good to be North Carolina. It's good to have that history, I guess. Um, it's not always resume, right? It's quality of competition and da da da. Feels like it's over, but the San Francisco game would help BYU should they match up. Now, listen, uh, for the past like two weeks, I've been saying, hey, they're going to use the league's going to use Ken Palm adjusted win percentage. The latest we're hearing is uh, perhaps not. Now they're perhaps moving just away from straight that? up win percentage, which, if that's the case, um, you know, it sounds like it is. Here are the standings BYU is in fifth. Now, at the end of this week, let's say BYU wins both, LMU and Pepperdine. Of course, if BYU loses one of these, they are toast. It is over. Um, unless you win the WCC tournament, of course, but that's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah, 
It's not going to happen. So my question is, me. is it win percentage overall or win percentage in conference? It's in conference only. They don't care about non-con. That's, this is how it always functions. Yeah. Just um, clarifying. Yeah. Um, listen, uh, BYU is 9 and You know, I anticipate that San Francisco is going to split this week. They have the Zags. And uh, another game they're going to split. They're going to be 9 and 6. They BYU. play Pacific tonight. They have three games, don't they? Okay, they're going to finish nine and six or whatever. <laughs> Are they going to? F- okay, they have a game tonight. You're saying San yes. Francisco does at Pacific. Oh, they're going to be ten and six and above BYU. BYU's five. BYU's going to be the five then. <sighs> now this is why I almost want Ken Palm adjusted win percentage because not everyone's played the same amount of games. BYU will have only played what missed one with Portland, so it is what it is. The Pacific loss will have cost BYU the NCAA tournament probably, not Santa Clara. Although that would have been nice too. But the Pacific loss, because you wouldn't have a bad loss. You wouldn't have had a four game losing streak either. You wouldn't have had that streak. You although the streak doesn't matter to the committee per se, but like the Q four is a really bad one and uh you know, that that's hanging over BYU. You can have a bad one. Like I've looked at other teams on the bubble that have bad ones. Like there's like Rutgers is in with three quad three or four losses right now. Because they have a bunch of late season quad one and quad two they have wins. Six quad one wins, including against number nine Purdue. BYU yes. did not have anything close to that. So yeah, it feels like it's probably over, but there's a chance with the San Francisco quarterfinal and then a loss to Gonzaga that maybe, maybe you get in, but probably not. Humor me for a moment, won't you, BYU Sports Nation? As we just pointed out, San Francisco currently third in the West Coast Conference standings. Assuming the Dons lose to Gonzaga, which they will. Okay, yeah, and that's they're tied with Santa Clara, by the way. Then they'll have six conference losses. And with the rootables in mind, now are we to the point where BYU fans need to root for Santa Clara to win both games this week? Yeah, well, it depends what you want. If you want San Francisco Be- because in Because yeah. BYU would prefer, understandably, a quad one opportunity against San Francisco in Las Vegas in a hypothetical projected Saturday quarterfinal. I don't care if BYU is the four or the five seed. As long as they get the opportunity to play San Francisco in what just very well could be an elimination game of sorts, a de facto sure. elimination game for an at-large bid because San yeah. Francisco is – Third to last team in last I saw. So they're going to be maybe out after losing to Gonzaga. Okay, so San Francisco's maybe. right there. BYU's three out. If the committee's looking at, okay, well, BYU and San Francisco played three times this season. Whoever wins two out of three in that series and has the latest win, well, maybe we just give that team out of the West Coast Conference the nod. If they're going head-to-head for a bid. Yes. If they're not, they don't care. It feels like that's BYU's only real shot yeah. to make any type of statement, which is what I was saying last week. You don't have to beat St. Mary's as long as BYU can play San Francisco in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's, that's the only, listen, you're out, so what are you going to do to get in? San you're Francisco. Gonna, you can't just hope that everyone else is going to lose. That's, yeah, there's going to be some teams that win and some teams that lose. Root for Santa Clara to win both of their games this week. I know, a little confusing. They're going to lose Saturday. You think they're going to lose? They to will Portland lose at to home? Portland. Portland at is home? on. Portland is on fire, and ticked off that they canceled that first game. Mm. I'm telling you right now, Portland's going to win that if game. This game were at Portland, then Port- maybe I agree Portland's, with you. The 503 is going to show up. This and game beat is Santa at Clara. Santa Clara. Yeah. Santa Clara knows that they have potential to be the three seed and avoid Gonzaga. Santa Clara's thinking, hey, we could play the Zags in the WCC title and maybe bolster our own resume that way. Yeah, they ain't getting it. Santa Clara's got a lot on the line too. They're, they're not going to make the tourney. 
I don't think Portland's going to win at Santa Clara. But BYU fans should root for Santa Clara to yeah. finish third because you want San Francisco on Saturday. Yes. That has to happen if you, assuming you have win, any hopes of an at-large. Assuming you win uh, Friday. But you're just going to play on Friday. Ah, it's pathetic. BYU then would have, if they play on Friday, if they're at the five seed, yeah. beat LMU and Pepperdine at home this week, which should absolutely happen. Those totally. should happen. Oh, if it doesn't, you, you aren't going to the NIT. Okay. Maybe. Like, Both of those games bad. and wins should happen. Then BYU will play the winner if they're the five of the 8-9 game, which right now is Pacific or LMU on Friday. Okay? One of those teams has defeated BYU. <laughs> and one of them took BYU to overtime. <laughs> and at that point, like, yeah, hey. Just win Friday in Vegas and then get to San Francisco on Saturday. Because maybe BYU is able to work out some kinks and some and shake off some rust and get used to the court, and then San Francisco comes in and has to play their first game on Saturday, and BYU's already played on the court. Maybe they're feeling better. They beat the Dons, they get to Monday's quarterfinal against the Zags, and they have a late boost resume. I hope BYU's motivated because an unmotivated BYU has looked terrible in some of these situations before. Okay. Notably against San Diego twice. What is it? 2012 and 2019? It's not feeling good, man. Win both this week. Yep. See how it shakes out. Mm -hmm. Hope you get San Francisco. Hope that a win against that team would be enough. Can this team beat San Francisco right now? I'm not sure. I They totally can. BYU they just need played, to find something that hasn't been there in a couple weeks. BYU played. That's, that's, a, that's hard. Goodness, if you just take away like three of the turnovers late in the game on Saturday night, maybe we're talking about a BYU win against St. Mary's because, they again, they showed the mental strength to climb back into a game. They were down by 16 points in the second half. Don't go down 16. Fought back. Just make, just take care of the ball. They, they out-rebounded like, St. Mary's. Like take we, care of the if ball. If we're going to credit BYU for going down 16, how about we discredit BYU? Or, sorry, for coming back. How about we discredit BYU for going down 16? Like, don't go down 16. Don't let Tommy Cousy go off. Tommy Cousy? This dude isn't even, like, first-team all-league good. St. Like, Mary's why going. is this guy going off? They're top 25 team right now. Because they have a good team. They don't have a star, right? They, they don't have – like, do they have a first – Team All-Conference player? My point like is... maybe one? St. Mary's just played San Francisco and won at home against San Francisco. Close-ish game. BYU did the same with St. Mary's. So it feels like BYU and San Francisco would be a very close match in Las Vegas on a neutral floor. BYU can beat San Francisco on a neutral floor. That can happen. Just give me the opportunity. I just hope it shakes out that way. Because I don't want BYU to play Santa Clara on Saturday because that would not be the statement quad one victory opportunity. And here, here's as we uh, transition out of this in a second, but the WCC tournament being early in the week is a real detriment to BYU's hopes here because it's not right at the last second with the committee. This will happen on Saturday, eight days before Selection Sunday. It's not going to be a big statement because all these other games will happen after that. And the WCC is a smaller league. They do it to get on TV, and it makes total sense. But it's not going to be any kind of statement win. The only statement win possible is beating Gonzaga. You don't think that a quad one victory would be a statement on the resume? Man, if that first of all, folks on resumes, who cares? They have the they built the resume. Who cares when your resume is complete? It does matter. It does matter. You're going to see other teams do stuff like the day before. Well, that, there'll that be some bid steals. A little more. There'll be some bid steals, but 
You fact have, of the matter comes down if they're comparing BYU the and San fat Francisco. Has been rendered on the stake, and now it got cold. You think there are going to be three WCC teams in? I don't, I don't know that. You no. said you you told me that last week on this show. You think there will be three teams? I can change my opinion in a couple of days based on different <laughs> games, okay. new information. Have you changed your opinion? You think there's going to be two? I don't know that there will be three. There will be at least two. There's not going to be four. Okay. There's going to be max three. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know that. What if San Francisco loses to both Gonzaga and BYU and BYU doesn't get in? Now it's just Gonzaga and St. Mary's. It's a two-bid league, maybe three. No, no, no. Three are going to get in. Three, three will get in. If we're talking about four the whole season, now all of a sudden two. I was never talking about four the whole season. I thought that was silly. Most of the national analysts were. Right. They're silly. It's not going to happen. All right. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. So we're going to talk to one of the best number twos in BYU history. His name is Travis Hansen. Shout out to Mapleton, right? <laughs> Mapleton's where it's at, Trav. What's up, man? Shout out to Mapleton. Shout out to Eddie. You know, yeah, oh. all my sponsors, city of Mapleton. <laughs> A little NIL action post uh, BYU never hurt. He's anybody, all business. Right? He's all business now. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Let, let, let's talk about twos. We're, uh, you know, number two. We, Okay, uh, spoiler alert, you're one of the top five number twos in BYU history. According to our list. That's coming up later in the program. We'll see where you are. Are you number one? Are you number five? Are you in between? Are you, are you number two? Why'd you, yeah, are you number two? <laughs> Why, why'd you pick number two in the end? Um, I picked number two because I wanted uh, for my family. Uh, we were 23 and 24. Um, my little sisters were 23 and 24. I couldn't choose. I was 24 in high school, and so... Uh, I just picked the top one, number two, so I could uh, support both of them. And so they wouldn't get jealous or they wouldn't, you know, fight over who their older brother liked most. <laughs> there are a lot of number twos in your in your life. You're a two-time West Coast Con- or Mountain West Conference champion, a second-round pick in the NBA, uh, number one in a bunch of things, including your home court record. But uh, uh, outside of you, who's your favorite number two at BYU? Ooh. That's a, that's I don't know um, probably Shaylee right now. Nice. Shaylee Gonzalez had a great year. Love watching her play. Love to see the success of the women's team. My little sisters played there, and so probably right now Shaylee. But Cody Hoffman's up there. Cody was awesome back in his day. He knows his twos. Yes, he does. He knows Not bad. Twos. Travis is is either vetted or knowledgeable or both. Uh, we're talking to Travis. Unless I, unless I miss somebody. I might have missed somebody. I'm sorry if I did. There's plenty of twos out there, I'm sure. We're talking to Travis Hansen here on BYU Sports Nation. Obviously, we want to get your thoughts on kind of BYU hoops. Certainly not in a great spot heading into the last week of the regular season, but hopefully the Cougs can win two this week and then somehow get a matchup with maybe San Francisco and Vegas, get another quad one opportunity. You've been on teams that were fighting and scratching and clawing for opportunities to get into the NCAA tournament. What's it like at the end of a season like this when you're just hoping for a shot? You know, it could be frustrating at times because they've dealt with a lot of ups and downs and challenges. I think they're a top 10, 15, 20 team with Gavin Baxter and Harward, but they've had injuries. And and I think they've expected, you know, Gideon, George, and Caleb to, to come a lot farther than they have. And and uh, to be a little bit more uh, contributors than they have. And so it's just been a little bit of a frustrating season than they had anticipated, but it's not over. And you got to peak at the right times, and, and there's a lot more basketball to be played. So we got a great team. Thank goodness Alex Barcelo came back, and he's been phenomenal. I love watching him play. And, um, you know, 
we'll, we'll see how they end up. But it's all about peaking at the right time, the right rhythm, playing together, fighting till the very end, and you never know what can happen. I was watching the Super Bowl, and I thought you did great at halftime uh, with, <laughs> with Eminem. I, I know you got tired there at the end, uh, but uh, when you go back to your playing days and everyone says, well, yeah, that's what Travis looks like. He looks like Eminem. But this attitude, this freestyle play that, that you brought to, to the basketball team, uh, infectious on the others, but you always look like you're having a good time playing. And I know it's hard for Alex Barcelo to look like he's having a great time playing because the team has, has been losing, lost five of their last seven. But, but when, you're, when you're a great player with all that kind of talent, just to let it loose, uh, I, I, thought, uh, I thought you were the epitome of that. You're kind. Um, just like Eminem, you know, we, we, we don't like – uh, rules and, and uh, <laughs> you to hold us back, you know. Uh, you got one shot to, to make it in this life, and and so my mom taught me how to be a fighter. I I didn't have any fear. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't looking to, um, you know, if people ranked me or they didn't. If if I wanted to write my own story, um, some people said you you weren't good enough, you weren't tall enough, you weren't fast enough, and and I just never listened to the to the haters or. Or, or the, the noise in all reality, I wanted to write my own story. I think this team and Alex Barcelo um, can write their own story. It, we don't know how it ends. It's up to them. Um, I, I really love Caleb Lohner and Gideon George. I, I love uh, their talent and, and um, their ability to really play this beautiful game. And so in, in reality, I played the way I think it should be played is – it's just absolute no fear. Um, I love competing. I love fighting and I love to try to win. And so if these guys can capture that and get it back into their soul and their minds and get mentally right, I, I think, you know, they can be anybody on this earth. That's the greatest thing about basketball is you never know who, who's going to win. And um, it's all about peaking at the right time. No fear reminds me of, you know, the brand in like the 90s. I was expecting maybe you to have like a shirt or something for that as well, but maybe next time. That's what, that's what Eddie means. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time, yeah. I remember right. my hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex Barcelo, uh, hopefully he's got a shot in the NBA. The reality is he's probably a, a guy that's going to play internationally. You played in the NBA uh, for a little bit, but mostly internationally uh, in Spain and Russia and whatnot. What advice would you give to a guy like Alex in the opportunity to pursue a professional career that may be overseas? We'll see. And you can still have great success like you did. Alex Barcelo, advice I'd give AB. Number one, he married really well. We love Zoe, and and they've been over here for dinner with our family. And um, Number two, I'd say control what you can control, um, which is just today. Finish your season outright put the little deposits in every single day, improve every day, and, and great things happen. Um, much like the gospel, uh, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, when you do those deposits every single day, um, once in a while you feel the spirit and the talk or testimony, the same thing in, in these games. AB will go off for, for 30 like you did a, a few weeks ago, or he'll have a real uh, incredible moment, and it reminds you why you played the game. It reminds you of that little boy that grew up loving the sport and it was the, those moments that, that, that get you addicted to it. And similar to the gospel, you know, I have these moments where I remember why I'm, why I'm a member and why I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I would tell AB to control the controllable, to love the moments, put the deposits in every day 
And, um, and when you work hard like that, great things happen. And I think AB will have a phenomenal career. As long as he gets a good agent, surrounds himself with good people, uh, like Zoe, listens to her uh, more than anyone else. He, I'm excited. He'll make a lot of money. And, and I, I believe AB is one of those unique guys who will have a great career in basketball, but he'll even have a better career in business afterwards. Um, my dad told me at one point in time, um, you'll make more money in business than you made playing basketball. And I thought, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Uh, but those attributes and characteristics and skills you learn by playing this sport really flow into all aspects of life and give you a, an incredible advantage. Well, speaking of business, and you have business going on all over the world, um, a lot of it has to do with helping uh, kids in um, in orphanages. And, and you were a big basketball star over in Moscow. A fan of yours is Vladimir Putin um, and, and a lot of Russian executives. You have Russian citizenship, and they wanted you to play for them in the Olympics. I, I think your story is so fascinating. But each morning as you wake up and, and put the news on and you see what Russia is doing um, – you know, at the border of the Ukraine, and those are people that you know, and you still have interest over there. What what goes through your mind as you see something like this uh, because of your experience there? Oof, a, a range of emotions. Um, you're you're sad for the people, uh, for the possible confrontation, and 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 for you know the possible impact that some of those decisions that political leaders uh, are, are having on their personal lives. Cause you want them to be happy. They're, they're my friends. Uh, I love them. I, I care about them. And so I want them to be successful and happy and have every opportunity and, and sometimes do the leadership and egos and political climates. Uh, it affects all of us on a personal level. It also, uh, one of the motions it brings is gratitude. I'm so thankful for, United States of America that live in this wonderful country with freedoms and people that are willing to fight and stand up and, and, uh, for what they believe. So thankful for, you know, all the opportunities I have and freedoms I have and my family has, um, we love Russia. They treat us so very well over there and we pray and hope that they don't go to war. That it can be, you know, the debates or uh, hurt feelings or, history or, you know, Putin not liking NATO and, and possibly, you know, the Western influence up tight to his border that, that he can, you know, handle it in different ways um, and not, 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 not use, you know, weapons and, and war to, to, to communicate. So we, we love those people, you know, we love the members of the church over there and just praying for them at this time. Talking to Travis Hansen on BYU Sports Nation. You were featured on Netflix's Dream Home Makeover, uh, your house in Mapleton, which I drive by sometime, and I'm like, at some point I'm going to play on that basketball court in the barn. <laughs> um, do you get more questions about that episode of TV or your playing career at this point? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, Netflix <laughs> has been funny, man. Like everyone from my mission to people that I played with, Pablo Prigioni and Luis Scola and Jason Terry from Atlanta Hawks have texted me and said, bro, nice house. I'm going to build when I'm going to build a full uh, football stadium attached to my house. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so we've got teased a little bit because we do have a full court basketball court attached to our home, but we've used it a ton tonight. We have a, a wonderful group called adaptive special needs kids. There'll be 29 of them. That will come in. We'll do a basketball camp at our house. And, That's cool. And uh, spend time with them. So, you know, we it's blessed my life. 
you know, my dad grew up on a farm in Boise, Idaho, um, and him, him and his brothers uh, worked on an alfalfa farm. Um, me and my kids, we play basketball. It's what we do. And, and I woke up this morning at 4.50, got my workout in at 5 to 6. And then from 6 to 8, I got to work out my son, Mason, who's 14, year old, 14 years old and spend time with him. So it's been, it's been a blessing. Netflix was funny. It put us you know, uh, in, in touch with a lot of amazing people that we had not been in touch with. And so it's been a blessing in our life, tell you the truth. It's been fun. Hey, Utah Valley Magazine hey, named you one of the coolest over. entrepreneurs in 2018. Are you still Are maintaining you still, that status? You still cool, Trap? No, I think at some point when you turn 40, you're just old. My 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 eight-year-old, Zach, I said the other day, I'm like, bro, you can't hit a shot. And he's like, at least I don't have a dad body. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cold. Wow. What'd you, what'd you say? Jaron, you can come over, but you yep. better make a shot. The last, I'll, the I'll make a shot. Don't worry. Yeah. Did, it, he, he was like, oh, for 10. So no, please I, don't. I'm, I'm making a shot. Jeez. Come on. I'll go at least two for 10. Come on, man. Don't uh, hurt our walls. And hey, Clay Thompson worked out in your barn one time, right? <laughs> yep. Clay. It's pretty we've cool. Had quite a few, yeah. We've had a five, quite a few different guys. Jake Toulson uh, did a lot of his workouts before uh, getting signing on with the Jazz and Skyler Halford's here all the time. Uh, it's all family, baby. He awesome. has. That's great. Great connections. Well, I'll come down the road one day, and I'll just knock on the door. Maybe at 6 a.m. because I know you're up working out one of your kids. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and anyone and anyone that thinks they're better than me, than, you know, number two, they can always come over and we can compete. Shaley's <laughs> going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. All right, Trav. Bring Shaley. You know, tell Shaley, let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> Trav, we appreciate the time. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys. See ya. Great Travis Hansen on BYU Sports Nation. Great ambassador for BYU. 100%. Shameless plug for the Deep Blue podcast I did with oh, yeah. him. Oh, That's my right. gosh. I learned so much about his experiences in Spain. By the way, he has a kid on a mission in Barcelona right now. That's awesome. That's pretty special. And then, of course, yeah, what, what he did with the house, which is cool. He's been extremely uh, successful post-playing career. Yeah. And obviously, you asked him about Russia. He, I mean, there's a connection there where the, he has connections with the government because he played on a team that was owned by the government. Yeah. And the church has uh, questions about connecting, trying to get a temple done. And they go through Travis, and there's a temple there. So I was like, Trav, are you the reason there's a temple you want in Russia? Trav, and he's like, no. But go to the podcast. Yeah, ch- check it out. Absolutely. That's fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Created container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Should BYU fans be frustrated that the women's team was only moved up one spot in the new AP Top 25 after picking up their 23rd win of the season? By 24 points, by the way. Uh, yes. Yes, BYU should be frustrated. Now... I just want this team to be in the top 16 and be a four seed. Now, ranking different than seeding, but seeding is still a five according to Charlie Cream. He's the only women's bracketologist that we know of. So that part is frustrating. If BYU is ranked 19th but ends up a four, I don't care. What I don't get is if your net is nine and your national ranking in the AP is 19, why is there a gulf between those two numbers? I could see one's an algorithm, one's an opinion, but you're right. I, I just I, I don't think BYU should be ninth, but I do think they should be like thirteenth. Yeah. 
Or, or at least 15 where they've never been before. Never been ranked higher than 16. They've gotten there twice this year. Maybe the, They run into this The wall. voters knew that, and they were like, nah, There's something sorry. Something's going on. Someone's got something against us. It feels like it, but I don't want to have a cougar board take on it either. Who's your West Coast Conference <laughs> Women's Basketball Player of the Year? Shayla Gonzalez or Paisley Harding? You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna suggest something here. I'm going to suggest that the league give them co-player of the year honors. Teammates. Teammates. Instead of like, last year, Shaley was a co with yep. uh, somebody, I think, from Gonzaga. Yes. Teammates, which I don't know has ever happened before. But if you look at the numbers in conference play, mm-hmm. Shaley's averaging 18.6, Paisley 17.9. And then their numbers are so close across the board. In yes. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, and they're number four and five in the league in assists. So they're scoring and they're passing. We saw plenty of that Saturday when they when they beat Gonzaga. Um, Paisley went to... Gonzaga got stitches in her face, came out and beat the Bulldogs almost by herself. Yep, uh, Shaley had 35 down there at St. Mary's, beat the Gales almost by herself. Mm-hmm. So they've had big moments, but but you take one of them away from the team, and it's it's not the same team. Still a good team, still probably the best team in the league. But with those two players, they're elite, and um, I think they both deserve Player of the Year. That could be pretty cool. If, if they give it to just one, it'd probably be Shaley because she's a hair ahead of Paisley right. and some of those things. And they do league numbers only. And in league only, Shaley's number one in assists, number one in, uh, number three in steals. So those two may give her a tiny edge. But I think it'd be pretty cool if they did co. That'd be pretty awesome. And it would be totally understandable if they did co. They're both on the road this week as the Cougars look to wrap up conference play. Hey, by the way, don't go to sleep after beating Gonzaga. You still got to win these two. Uh, two more games. Get yeah. the one seed. Uh, the USFL draft is tonight. Any Cougars getting drafted? I don't know. Uh, it's not going to be dudes that are trying to make the NFL this year. If you're James Empey, you're not like, yeah, I'm going to the USFL. No. It's guys like, I don't know if Micah Simon still wants to play and had a cup of coffee or post them, as we say here, in the NFL last year or whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm interested to see if there's anybody. I'm guessing no, but maybe. Hey, my, my message to the USFL is Steve Young is not walking through that door. <laughs> Good luck. Are they still paying Steve? Or is that I, over? I, I, like, is that contract over? When was that? 80, eternal. I, 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 83. Is he done next year if it was 40 years? Remember the 40-year deal? Yeah. Is that a thing? Next year is let's the 40th ask him. year? Next time we're on the show, let's see where he's at. Okay. Texas Tech fans held a packed watch party at what looked like a local mall for the Texas Tech-Texas game. Uh, is this what Big 12 Hoops is about, and where should BYU plan its first Hoops watch party in 2023? Take this a look is at incredible. It. This is Big 12 Hoops and what it's all about when your coach leaves for the other team. And right? uh, the Texas Tech coach is now coaching at Texas. We saw when he... When the Longhorns came over to Lubbock, well, that was like a couple of weeks ago. Here's the rematch. And so in Lubbock, they're all around. They're going for blood. Guns up, as they like to say down there. Yeah. And uh, that that's that's where we're going. I don't know if anyone's going to hate us so fast, but that's where we're going. Surely that will happen quickly. But, uh, yeah, uh, University of Mall, you got, you got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they're remodeling. I think. Yes, they are. Places. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, we focused on ESPN's Joe Lenardi and what he's saying in bracketology for the most part on this show, which is because Joe's the biggest name in the game, but... We haven't really looked around at the other brackets as much to see where BYU stands. So let's take a look and assess, and then let's ask ourselves if it's still as bad as it feels right now. 
As mentioned in headlines, Jerry Palm of CBS Sports has BYU in as a 12 seed. It's one of the last four in. He's kind of the only guy that has BYU in among the main ones. Andy Katz, as of uh, you know Saturday night, has BYU second out. Stadium has BYU as second out. Uh, you know, heat check, college basketball, BYU second out. So, <sighs> feels about the same. But uh, does looking at the other brackets make you more or less hopeful for BYU's tournament chances? Uh, no. I, I, that's, <laughs> I th- we're, we're, we've lost five of the last seven, <sighs> and that's the, that's the number that I, that I look at. If it was reverse and we'd won five of seven and we're sitting on the bubble, we're like, oh, we, sh- we should be in. We're trending. On our we're way. Trending. We yeah, get two yeah. more wins this week, we'll be in. But this is the opposite of that. And uh, it just feels like um, that's the way it's going. It's going to the NIT. Not that 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 was the goal before the season started, but this team uh, is playing like a really, really good NIT team in the last month. Fair assessment. And and so we look at all these numbers and we want, you know, that's why Jerry Palm's our friend. We're going to send him a fruit basket for a couple couple, more days. A couple years ago, we were not friends. No, we were not his friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that's the thing with, with, with this team. And, and um, I, at, at some point, we're going to have to take disappointment of not making the big dance and move it over here to the reality pile of this team is overachieved. Mark Pope may have done his best coaching uh, in his young career this year in having to shuffle everybody on the fly and still find a way to win, what, they'll have 21 wins probably by Saturday night. Um, and some of those were pretty good wins. They weren't the big meat wins like yep. against Gonzaga, but nobody's beaten Gonzaga. But there were a couple of disappointing losses in there too. And you go, how could Mark Pope – look what he's working with and look what they've done. Yeah. And the reality is they may be a top seed in the NIT. Right now they're an NIT team. And um, that's just the reality of it all. And, and, and a win Thursday night, which we expect, and a win Saturday, yeah. which we expect. Yeah. Success in Vegas is expected. Um, will that be enough to push them back into this this group? I don't know. Uh, but it's trending. The NIT is what it's trending. Our uh, our crack research staff informs us that there's a website called thebarkingcrow.com, <laughs> and they project NIT. I'm concerned that they even the know barking that. Crow. Ah! <laughs> uh, they're two-seed in that. Okay? I don't, I don't know. Which brings me to one of my uh, favorite Jack Candy quotes. All the... All the crows are calling my name, thought Carl. It's, it's just so good. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Should we be in that, uh, as you mentioned, the, the move the pile to the reality phase? Should we be? I, I think we're in that phase as, as a fan base of, well, shoot, after Saturday, it's probably not happening. Now, Spencer and I el- uh, elaborated yesterday about, okay, if BYU can get San Francisco in a quarterfinal, if BYU can win Friday, play San Francisco in a quarterfinal as the five playing the four who comes in, You've got a top 50 quad one game sitting there. San Francisco's net is top 30, yeah. or, or sorry, top 35, which is incredible. There's a, it has to be top 50 to be quad one on Selection Sunday. I don't see, if BYU beat San Francisco there, them dropping out of the top 50. So that's a chance to perhaps get yourself back in. But I, I argued this, Dave, and I want to get your thought on this. I think BYU does not benefit and is hurt from the fact that this will happen on a Saturday Eight days before Selection Sunday. I just think BYU will be forgotten about yeah. because of the timing of that. Do you agree or disagree? I, I agree. And, and, and they could beat St. Mary's, too, on a neutral floor. On the Monday. On the Monday, uh, which would put them in the, in well, the championship game. Well, I mean, here, in theory, those could happen if Foose was playing at 
Right, and I, I don't think BYU would be on St. Mary's side of the bracket. That's my concern. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're it, probably right. If, if um, and then, yeah, because he lined up with the Gonzaga in the semis. If BYU still had St. Mary's in the semi, I would be much more hopeful about this situation. Right. Because they are a top, you know, 25 net team, and you'd have a shot there. Obviously, the way they played Saturday, get you know, at, at times played terribly. At, at times played like the NIT team, at, and at the end – Almost played like the NCAA tournament team that we, yeah. we were hoping they could be. But if you line up with Gonzaga in the semi, that's the end of the road. If Foose isn't healthy, uh, he needs a really good week because I think he lost a lot sitting out for a young player to miss a couple of games. And, and, and he wasn't the same against St. Mary's. He was a different Foose than played St. Mary's up here when BYU beat him. Yes. If, if this week he can get his groove back and BYU goes into Vegas with somewhat of a front line, they can win Friday night. And then they, they could beat San Francisco. They beat them in San Francisco, and they got, they got beat here. you got to guard the three. But they could beat if, if they have a healthy front line. But if they don't, I don't know if they'll get through Friday uh, because there's no team afraid of them anymore so long as they double-team Alex. And then the rest are either banged up or dealing with confidence issues or they've beat them before. So the, the, it's not like, oh, my gosh, we got to play BYU on Friday night. It might be sweet. I'd rather play them Santa, than Santa Clara. If you're oh, a yeah. team that's got to play somebody on Friday night. There's a wounded animal right now. Every yeah. team that could match up with them is going, we could pick them off. Yeah. Whereas in December, they don't want any piece of them. No. November, I don't want any part of BYU. Nope. But this is a different BYU team. It's a different lineup. And, um, and, and, and now, you know, they're, they're in the corner. Um, and how much fight do they have? And, and I'm, I'm curious to see how they play Thursday night in a game where they should, should, should win comfortably at home. But they might not. But they've got to play – Good basketball, where they walked out the field court going, okay, we played good tonight. Never mind who it was. And Saturday, okay, we played good tonight. We can go to Vegas and play good, as opposed to, I don't know how we're going to play tonight. BYU needed a 19-12 and 12 from Foose to beat LMU in overtime. Yeah. They don't have the same Foose, uh, you know, pre-injury. That injury, I guess, happened sometime in that game or, or between games. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yes, we know. Late February, the frenzy of basketball leading into the madness of March. And that means it's time for your daily BYU men's basketball resume update. Blaine, the Cougars are up two spots from number 53 to 51. Ken Palm holding steady at 53. That's down one spot. Team ranking still giving BYU just a minimal chance of making the tournament. 5.4% chance. That's very contradictory to what we see from Joe Lenardi in his latest bracketology. BYU's the second team out. The Cougars are still in essentially a third of the overall brackets according to bracket matrix so somewhere in between the 5.4 percent and second team out that's where we have BYU on the bubble it's game night for the Cougars they face LMU they're a 13 and a half point favorite they're supposed to win so Blaine my question for you is are you more interested in what BYU faces this week at home LMU and Pepperdine or is it more about what all of the other teams on the bubble could do to affect BYU's tournament chances? I'm, I'm going to speak the truth to you here. I'm, I'm going to speak truth. Let's go. 
I've been spending a lot more time this week looking at everybody else <laughs> and looking at other games, trying to figure out where BYU's seed will be. Like, I'm making this assumption, and maybe it's crazy to do this, that is just going to handle their business this week. You know, they beat these two teams on the road. Mind you, the LMU, who they have tonight in that first matchup, they didn't play particularly well. They couldn't defend to save their lives in that BYU was game. down 17 in the second half. Well, and, and they when the game was over, LMU shot 57%. Come on, how about a little bit of defense? And, yes. And, and, and you know what? There wasn't great defense played uh, you know, in, in that second game of that week against Pepperdine, yeah. right? And so I, I look at those and I'm going, man, can BYU find some defense this week? I feel like they found their identity defensively a little bit against St. Mary's this last week. Um, and, and Alex, you know, I, I feel like Alex has, has, has found himself again. Man, pe- people have been guarding him hard. So with all of that said, I've just kind of assumed, you know what? It's home. This is the second go around. They're going to handle business this week. So I've been looking at, wait, who who are the last four in now on all the brackets? I need a root against those teams in the NCAA tournament. Where is BYU? We, we, they've been hovering that first four out this, this last week or so. And, you know, who's right there around them? I, I'm rooting for all of those teams to lose. I'm looking at the league and going, what's BYU's seeding going to be in the tournament? They could be as high as a three. They could be low as a six by the time this week is over. Wild. Most likely a five, in my opinion, But um, which is crazy. That's the lowest seed they've ever had. I'm looking at all these other things, and honestly, Spencer, because of that, I haven't focused on the game much on either of these games this week. Um, I will when they're playing tonight, but since I don't have to call it. Yeah. And what I am going to be focusing on is, are they significantly better defensively? And they better be. Or they lose. But I think if they win these two games this week, they're right on the edge. And now we need to root for other teams to lose. Well, from what I saw against St. Mary's when BYU was playing on the road to Moraga, I anticipate they will be better on defense. That was a better version of BYU men's basketball that ended up losing, yes, but they played a much better game. Other than ball security, they had a lot of turnovers. But the defense was better. The rebounding, they out-rebounded the Gales. It was a much better effort. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm looking at all the other teams. I do expect BYU to show up, take care of LMU, take care of Pepperdine. They'll win the last two games. They'll finish league play at 9-6. and six. But I am watching what Santa Clara does. Mm-hmm. I am watching what San Francisco does, speaking specifically about the WCC, because I want, and I've made it very public on this show, BYU, no matter how it shakes out, to just have the opportunity to face the San Francisco Dons in Saturday's quarterfinals. I don't care how BYU gets there. It needs to happen, Blaine, because BYU needs that quadrant one opportunity. And right now we see Santa Clara a half game behind USF. Santa Clara has two very winnable games this week. San Francisco still has to play Gonzaga tonight. Would you be totally blown away, though, if Santa Clara – so Santa Clara is at Pepperdine and they have Portland, right? Would you be blown away if Portland beat them? Well, I know that Portland's salty because Santa Clara mm-hmm. said no to a game mm-hmm. with Portland in Portland. It just – we're like, eh, that's not going to happen. We have whatever issue. Like, the game could have happened. It didn't. Yeah. So I know Portland's salty, but I think Santa Clara's playing with some desperation because they know – uh, if we went to this week, we're the three seed, and we avoid we don't have Gonzaga. to play Gonzaga till the we finals. Avoid Gonzaga, <laughs> so there is real desperation for them, and they get Portland at home. So I think that gives them the edge they need. San Francisco is going to lose to Gonzaga, and then if they lost again on Saturday, they'd be the five seed, and BYU would be the four seed, and they'd play in the quarterfinals anyway. Well, and you think about that: if if you get blown off the floor 
by Zags and you have a little bit of a chink in your confidence, do you do you go out and struggle against San Diego on Saturday? That's that's not out of the realm that you could lose two this week. Now I don't think they will. I think they get beat by the Zags, they recover and they sure. and they and they beat San Diego. I think Santa Clara wins both of their games uh this week. Saint St. Mary's is gonna go one and one. Because they're going to get they're gonna as lose good as they are. They Gonzaga. will lose to Gonzaga unless Gonzaga <laughs> just doesn't show up, right? That's how good the Zags are. Maybe the best. How many times am I going to say this, Spencer? This may be the best group of talent Mark Few's ever had. My goodness. Seems like we say it every year. Every year for the past five years. They don't. Reload's not even the right word. Like, some teams rebuild, some teams reload. I don't even know what we call what Gonzaga does. They respawn. Like, yeah, they die and then they just immediately come back and they're as strong as they right, are. Right now, they're sitting as the number one <laughs> overall seed. So we're just going to but But it's going to be interesting. This is the tightest race that we've ever had, two through six yeah. um, in this conference. And anything could happen. St. Mary's is going to go one and one. I'm pretty sure of that. But but San Francisco could lose two. Santa Clara could lose that game to Portland. Not I would not be blown away if, if that happens. And so we'll see. I've been I've been watching all of that. But then on a, on a national scale um, – you know, the most recent update to bracketology has Michigan, Indiana, Memphis, and San Diego State Yes, um, as the last four in. That was before San Diego State just lost to right. Boise State. Right. And so, and here, here's the hard thing. Now you get really conflicted. You go, San Diego State, wait a minute. BYU, do we want them to win because it's a good because BYU them. beat them, or do we want them to lose because they're currently in front? I think now we just want them to win because I think BYU slides in front with that loss, right? Oh yes, you, um, you want San Diego State to lose. So we're rooting against Michigan, Indiana, and Memphis, Correct. right? And then in that first four out, uh, who who do we want to lose there? SMU right. and Oklahoma, right? I don't think Oklahoma is going to be a threat. They've got too many tough games down the stretch and just a loaded Big 12 that we are all very keen on and aware of because BYU is going to be playing in that league in a couple of years. But right right now, SMU, Oklahoma, along with BYU in the first four out, and then Michigan, Indiana, San Diego State, Memphis. Like You know who to root against, yep. BYU fans. And, I, and it's a shame because 16 seconds two weeks ago, <gasps> we're not even having these conversations, but we're having them now. Yeah. We're having them this now. This is the reality. Taking care of business against LMU, as BYU should have done. BYU, they didn't have to play the mullet, uh, who is LMU's, I think, best player, who went for 26 points against BYU the last time they played. But the Cougars, they took advantage of an undermanned LMU team. They win by 20. So, Jerem, after sitting courtside, getting that screen time, do you feel like... I didn't get the screen time. Do you feel like after last night... Things now are feeling different for BYU as they approach the postseason. It certainly felt good to win by 20 and execute well, but LMU played seven dudes, eight with one dude with two minutes. So it's hard to know. Was that LMU? Was that, I mean, this wasn't the same LMU team as you mentioned. Kelly Lea Pepe wasn't in the game. So, but like, BYU should pound this team. This is, this is a home game. BYU played well. Yeah, awesome. Next. That's how I feel about it. Like, yes, BYU played well, did a good job, uh, solid performances, didn't need uh, Alex Barcelo to, to really do much. Had, what, nine points? Seven, but seven assists, seven rebounds, which is pretty cool. Now, At one point, refreshing. he had a seven, seven, seven. That was, that was Vegas-like numbers. That's yeah, cool. I, I like that. Refreshing that Alex Barcelo did not need to have a huge game. 
I and hope not, right? BYU won by 20 at home. They yeah, won did, comfortably. If if Alex Barcelo needs to have a big game against LMU with like seven dudes, you got real problems. This BYU team has won 20 games. Not like BYU stinks. They've not been playing well, yes. But, yeah, no, it's it's a 20-win team. Like, this is, this is a good BYU team. It's just whether they're going to be good enough to make the tournament. Things feel a little bit different. Even though BYU lost to St. Mary's, they played a better basketball game overall than they had been playing yeah. during the four-game losing streak. So, moral victory. So the yeah, setback, sure. yeah. yeah. And we hate to use that phrase. Do, do we? We <laughs> brought it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah BYU it's not was playing fun better. when you have to settle on that. But yeah. Losers talk about, you know, margin, and but we played. Well, they know. found a way against LMU and Pepperdine on the road. They took care of business against LMU last night at home. I think they will do the same against Pepperdine. If and they don't, there's a real issue. Even with the loss of St. Mary's, BYU will go into Las Vegas having won four of five. And then that opens up an even broader topic because we're not sure how in the world things are going to play out tomorrow and where exactly BYU is going to be seated going into Las Vegas. Topic two, do you care what seed BYU gets in the tournament? Simply no, as long as BYU gets to play San Francisco at some point. Sure, it would be great to be the four seed and guarantee yourself a spot in Saturday's quarterfinals, not having to worry about a Friday game. But I almost feel like BYU would benefit from playing an extra game and having an opportunity to just get used to the arena with fans again now in it for uh, the first time in a few years because of the whole COVID scenario. Are there fans on Thursday and Friday at all, period? We've been there. <laughs> there will be like BYU a, fans? I've been there since 2010. They rarely are, right? There, there will be uh, a good contingent of BYU fans if the Cougars are playing on Friday night. So I'm almost okay with BYU being a uh, projected favorite and having a chance to play. They get used to the setting, and then they go in and having played a game they get to face San Francisco on Saturday. Maybe San Francisco is a little rusty. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm. It doesn't really matter to me. Four or five seed. Just give me the opportunity to play San Francisco on Saturday. Also, how hard do you have to go on Friday, and how much juice do you have Saturday? Obviously, you're going to be up for the game. But I mean, like the 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 benefit of playing on the court is yes, you played on the court, you got used to it. Right now, but BYU also, would be you playing. ran in a game and yeah. are a little more tired, right? BYU would be playing. Likely LMU, the same team they faced last night. And right who now, knows if Lea Pepe is going to be back. Yeah. Or Pacific. Yeah, right now Pacific's at – it looks like it's going to be Pacific probably at the eight seed or whatever, right? But, yeah, I don't care what seed BYU is because they're not going to be the three, which is a bummer. So you're, you're on Gonzaga's side of the bracket. You're hoping that Santa Clara can beat Portland tomorrow and that San Francisco, you know, is the four – Listen, uh, was it was it Shabazz last night? I think broke his nose. Yes. So may, maybe he plays right tomorrow. But what if San Francisco lost tomorrow and uh, BYU was the four? Like this could happen. Uh, we'll see what happens. Then BYU would just show up on Saturday and play San Fran, who plays Friday, and then you go from there. We'll see. You just want San Fran. It doesn't matter how. You just need it to happen next Saturday. So here's what's interesting. Let's say San Francisco loses tomorrow, and that's not a gimme at San Diego. It's an interesting game without Shabazz, How one hard of their do you best players. Slam into a slim gym, you know? Okay. Then I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
if San Francisco lays an egg in that Friday game, that'd be, that'd be bad. That'd be the worst case that'd scenario be for BYU. BYU needs a game against San yes. Francisco. Yes, they do. Doesn't matter the seed. Has just to have get it. to Saturday and have the game against San Francisco, which goes back to the point that I made even before the St. Mary's game, that BYU's chances, while they would have been dramatically increased in making the tournament by winning in Moraga, it's not an ultimate end-all, be-all having lost to the Gales. It might be in the end, though. They can, in what looks like will be a bracket-buster type game, if it comes to this, have a chance to make the tournament with a statement win of sorts, Quad one, neutral side, a lot of people watching, two top 50 teams in net, maybe battle for a quote-unquote de facto spot in the tournament as an at-large. We'll see how many people are watching a WCC quarterfinal on a Saturday where you have like regular season games. Well, I mean, the the important selection committee people will certainly be watching. They'll be watching regardless. They have to. Um, I think we're talking about the nation, right? Um, Yeah, I... Yeah. It, I, I, in the end, if BYU doesn't get in and they beat San Francisco, then the San Franci- then St. Mary's loss will have been the undoing, right, um, down the stretch. So we hope that it isn't. It, would the St. Mary's loss be the undoing or no, no, the no, four-game losing streak be the As you mentioned, like, it won't be the thing. They didn't have to win that game. It's like, well, then they will have had to. Um, hopefully, BYU can match up with San Francisco, win, and get in. But even if you match up with San Francisco and win – it does not mean BYU is going to get in. It, it will just be like, okay, we feel like we're on the right side of the finish of the regular or of the season to get maybe in. Obviously, the Pacific loss is the thing that undoes you. The Santa Clara loss before that kind of gets you to Pacific. So, yeah, I, I hope that we don't look back and go, shoot, BYU had to win in Moraga, and they didn't. If BYU gets San Francisco and wins that game, I just do not see how the committee can say, Hmm. Well, BYU head-to-head with San Francisco, a couple of teams that are both on the bubble. The Cougars won two of three. BYU won five of six, including that game, before they lost to Gonzaga, who John Rostin of CBS Sports last night said, playing Gonzaga in the quarter or the semifinals of the West Coast Conference Tournament is death by execution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, by beheading. <laughs> Very quick. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's 40 minutes. Right. Dang it. So, uh, again... Your assumption is that it comes down to those yes, two. Yes, I, really um, I really feel strongly that the West Coast Conference will get three teams in the tournament. The, so, as explained by Tom to us, the committee is not looking at bids by tourney, uh, you know, that specifically. You look at every individual team, and then it kind of shovels out, right? So, it San Francisco could be one of the teams in the discussion, certainly. But they're not like the only team when it comes down to BYU getting in or not, right? If you beat them they're, two or three times and beat them late in the tournament. That only comes in if those are the two teams you're talking about for like a spot. I understand. But I think they will be talking about those two teams for a spot. There, because I, I think the West Coast Conference is going to have three teams. There will be like eight to 12 teams probably discussed for the... I know that it's a bigger picture. I understand that I didn't well. Feel I understand like that your point. A moment ago. But what I am saying is... I, the WCC is going to get three teams in. I am willing to wager, which I don't condone, a large amount, a large amount of money on or that. Or just condone it, whatever. That that will happen, okay? And it's going to be either San Francisco or BYU, depending on what happens in the WCC tournament. Yeah. San Fran's in. They have to do something to get out. Lose to BYU two or three times. But it, but it, 
well, that's one thing. Like they they may still be good enough to get in. Who knows? It'd be great if they got three. You would get money for San Francisco being in there. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in the man of the night. He put up his second career double-double. Caleb Lohner is with us on Zoom, joining a Friday edition of BYU Sports Nation. Caleb, great to have you on the show. How are you feeling this morning? Feeling pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, a double-double? My goodness. Now, let's be honest and clear. Like You've been very public about this, too. You have not played as well as you would have liked to this season, but over the past few weeks feels like you're on the rise, my friend. So what has changed for you over the past couple of weeks to get back to the player that you thought and knew that you could be? Um, I think just a continual trust myself and my team and my coaches. And I mean, I feel like with greatness comes adversity. And so just through this journey of basketball that I've been on and this team's been on, I think just a recommitment to myself, like, Hey, look, you're here for a reason. You're here to help this team win games. You're here to do a lot of things really, really great. And so I think during the season, I kind of had to change and um, alter some of the things my mind was thinking about during the game. And again, I think right now, just as a team and individually, we're just all on the rise. Sometimes making shots, Caleb, isn't, even skill-based, it's just like it's your night or not sometimes it feels like. But what you have to do is like bring that juice, right? And it feels like last night you really brought it. Like you were playing with an intensity and a fire that maybe some games wasn't there. What was it about last night that uh, was special for you in that regard? Um, I just think I got myself going early in ways that had no involvement with scoring the ball. And I think there had been some times in the past where scoring the ball actually – was helping dependent on my intensity, which I think was the wrong mindset for me at certain times. And also right now, I think we're in a cool spot just as a team where every single game is really, really huge for us. I don't know if that's a great spot that we've put ourselves in, but I personally love it. I love the grind of like, okay, every single game we play now is so important. And so I think just having that in my mind and knowing that, Hey, I can really help this team in so many ways by bringing this certain intensity because of how important everything is. I think to me that's special. And so, yeah, I'm just going to keep playing and keep helping this team win. You shot 67%, 13 points, had 11 rebounds and a couple of assists last night, knocked down your only three-pointer. And you just pointed out that you have clearly embraced the pressure of the situation how do you translate that over to your team? Or do you feel like your team is with you in that regard of embracing just how big and important and pressure-packed every game is at this point? I think my team's completely behind the same idea of actually enjoying and embracing the grind. Like there's been time, I said this last night in a few other media, but there's been times this year where, I mean, we've kind of been punched in the face. We've lost a few games in a row, 
Uh, we went through injuries, so we've kind of battled through it all. And I think everyone's right now is just kind of like embracing the grind and enjoying like, Hey, this is it. Like we can't play around. Like, let's just go have fun. Let's do what we do. And we've worked so hard, like every single game. And I think enjoying this process for us right now is really important. So second career, double, double for you. And what was cool was when you had nine rebounds and you got your 10th, the crowd acknowledged that they knew, did you, Hear that on the court? I heard it a little bit, but I didn't know that was for my 10th rebound. I had no <laughs> idea, honestly. They typically don't cheer random rebounds that hard. Um, but, yeah, they yeah. they celebrated it with you, um, and that was a cool moment. And then even when you subbed out uh, your first time, you know, like six minutes into the game or whatever, the crowd gave you a, a nice ovation there. They acknowledged that. Was that affirming to you? Yeah, that was nice. Um Again, these BYU fans are the greatest ever. And I don't know, it's nice to see that little love. Little love doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're here for it. Caleb Lohner is with us on BYU Sports Nation. you got to take care of Pepperdine. That's the regular season finale. A senior night. We'll ask you about that in a moment, about some of your senior teammates. But Tomorrow we'll figure out where exactly BYU is going to wind up with the seeding approaching the West Coast Conference Tournament. Caleb, are you of the opinion that, hey, I want to play more basketball. If we're the five seed, great. I get to play Friday and then Saturday, and I, I want that. Or would you rather be going into playing the first game on Saturday in the quarterfinal? Um, I honestly don't even want to think about that. But personally, I think – the less games we can play in that tournament is probably better for us just because of the grind we've kind of been on. Um, and I mean, the less games we play, I think naturally the easier it is to win something like this, but for us, I don't think we're worried about that right now. We're just going to go take care of business on Saturday, continue to play the way we're playing and let everything else pan out. So senior night tomorrow night will be emotional because you've got Alex obviously and Tijon and company Richard and, and Gavin will be honored as well. What's that going to be like for you? Um, I think it'll be kind of tough, man. Like I've developed a special spot in my heart. Like anyone would for some of these guys and they just mean so much to this program and so much to me, just kind of me looking up to them as leaders and, um, like brothers in a sense, Alex, Tijon, I know Richard and Gavin haven't been able to be with us for quite a while, but I think all of those dudes have had an impact on me that'll last forever. And so I'm just grateful to be a part of it. And I'm grateful that I was been able to play with them for the last few years and cherish that forever. Alex wish Bar them the best on their career. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Alex Barcelo, I mean, you've played a lot of basketball with this guy. And yeah. uh, you've been with him for the majority of his journey at BYU. So when you look at him as a player, what do you think the legacy is that Alex Barcelo leaves with BYU basketball? I think he leaves a legacy of just a, a tough basketball player who can do everything. He gets everything done. He's willing to put himself um, like in front of his team and be a leader and change the game in ways that a lot of players can't change the game. And I just think Alex Barcelo is a basketball player and just as a human being is like an incredible dude. He's taught me so much, like kind of being able to be a little younger than him and him kind of take me under his wing in certain times and helping me through things. And I hope I was able to do the same for him, but 
don't know. It's, it's going to be sad not playing with him for years to come. But again, man, I know him. He's going to kill it after this. Like just with the fire and will he has to be great. Um, yeah. Alex Barcella will be missed on this floor. Thank you, Arizona, for not playing Alex Barcella. <laughs> Thank you, Arizona. Um, you guys. Yeah, uh, seriously. Yeah, they're doing just fine, I think. But, yeah, we uh, oh, we, have, we have benefited so much. It's been amazing. Okay, you have amazing yeah. hair, but what if tomorrow you came out with the Alex Barcelo haircut? Um, <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> you know I'm always down for something crazy. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that would be gnarly, have, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a say, maybe there's a combo, noticed, but I put a little bit more color in my hair. Yep, I could I could just have them shave the sides. Yes, put yep. that speed line like Alex has got going, dude. What's fun is if you look super closely, there like when there's a little bit of friction in the air, there's little flames that go. It like actually burns it out a little wider. It's crazy when he speeds up. It's, oh, it's, I know, it's insane. Oh, good that's stuff. Insane. That's magic. A barber can't do that. It's <laughs> a barber cannot do that. Every every time he comes in with a new haircut, I like have to admire it. I'm like, that is the cleanest line I've ever seen in my life. We are all admirers. On the fade is something I'll miss. We for are sure. all admirers. <laughs> Caleb, it's great to talk with you. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma so you can keep things rolling against Pepperdine tomorrow night and send those seniors off with a big win. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. You got it. The man, Caleb Lohner, fresh off his second career double-double. Yesterday, like, I was like, is he going to fight 24? I, like, I freaking loved the juice that Caleb brought last night. It was like, I think where he is going to be more in the future is what he said is, I don't need to make shots to be engaged. Like, I need to be like that, which was awesome. And then if you make shots, great. But what he needs to do is rebound and defend. And guess what? The offense will show up. And last night, the strategy was get the ball inside. Foose and Caleb, early, right? Early, early. Um, I should mention Gideon George is also a senior, technically. He has he's a decision opting to come to back. Make. Oh, has he already said yeah, that? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. That's okay. the plan. Okay, that's great. That's great. More Gideon. Yes. More <laughs> shoes. BYU can Let's use go. it. BYU can use his veteran leadership after losing the likes of Alex Barcelo and T. John Lucas. That's good to know because I know early in the season he was still deciding. Good to know. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I grew up in Tanzania. Before basketball, I was playing soccer. One day I just went to the basketball game. I just started liking it. Been playing since I was 14. 14, 13. His family had dreams for him of, of having the opportunity to eventually come to the States and play basketball. He did it by way of Ontario, London, Ontario, Canada, where he was paired with maybe the greatest host family ever. He comes from a home with, you know, dirt floor. His family did not have a lot of money back home, so definitely very humble beginnings. But he is very, very close with his family. He was so grateful for the opportunity that he was getting, but he also remained very connected to where he came from, even just in his cultural practices on a daily basis. 
Atiki came to us in, in 2017. I didn't know if it's gonna be like beautiful, it's gonna be cold. I didn't know anything about it, right? It was just Canada, Canada. But it was a big shock for him because he spoke very little English and different weather, different traditions, different family environment, different home environment. You know, he was coming from very humble beginnings and now he was in a home with running water. It was a big culture shock for him, but we we made it work. You know, we just embraced him, his teammates embraced him. Atiki's a pretty lovable individual, as you probably have all learned at BYU. He's easy to love, he's easy to embrace, and, and it made the transition a little bit easier. Yeah, they're a special family. It's like a good family, very good family. Yeah, they take care of me. Like, I get how much to say about it, but they, I just love them, you know what I mean? Like, they are a good family to me, and they just love me. I got a message, a text message from Coach Provenzano, who is his host family and his high school coach, just saying, you know, his dad had just passed away, and then he had been sick. And he was, it was hard, right? It was hard for him. Not only do you lose your father, but during a pandemic where he can't travel back and be with his family, he can't be at the funeral. We did the best that we could. You know, we embraced him, we hugged him, we cried with him. Um, we tried to reminisce and help him remember. They always tell me like, work hard, do your stuff, like respect each other. So I always miss those things they told me. Yeah, and I want to make sure, like, I do them. Like, I have to do them because the one my dad told me to do them. So, yeah, I just miss him a lot. I think he needed, uh, he needed basketball and he needed family the most. And we, we were it. I think it just gave him, you know, some place, some safe place to be, which was really you know, important at that time. He doesn't know we're coming, so we're just gonna sneak up on him and we miss him so much. And I, he calls us every day and he keeps asking, when are we gonna come to visit? So this is gonna be a huge surprise for him. We're excited to do that. First of seeing Jules, like, I didn't even believe it, that was Judy. That's Judy? I was like, oh man, I just want to give a big hug. So it was a big surprise, for sure, it was a big surprise, yeah. But it was good, so that means, like, they love me. And... Leading up to our, our visit today, it was pretty emotional, just getting to know that we were gonna see him soon. We've missed him so much. You know, he's, as I said, he was with us three years, but it's more than that. He's a part of our family. You know, he calls me mom, he calls Alyssa sister. So we've missed him and, and I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how he was gonna react. And it just filled my heart up, really. 
just to see him again and to know that he's happy here and I can see that in his face and his smile and know that he's in, a, in the right place. You think about a Tiki who has, you know, been away from his, his family for several years and has been taken in by the second family in a, a completely different and foreign environment and then has come out here on his own in a completely uniquely different environment where he's here now by himself. It was super powerful for him to see uh, these people that have been so kind to him and helped him through so many difficult times. We don't have any expectations for Atiki. He is experiencing a once in a lifetime experience right here, right now, along this journey. He's had a million once in a lifetime experiences. And, um, you know, the sky is absolutely the limit for him. I have no doubt that he's going to go on to accomplish great things and whatever he does. But as long as he's happy and smiling and, you know, coming home for some of my mom's cooking once in a while, I think we'll be happy. We're just so proud of Atiki. We're just so proud of the way he lives his life, the way he's affecting people that he meets here. He's changing the perceptions of what maybe an African coming from Africa to Canada and the U.S. is like, you know, and, and we love that. I'm not surprised by that because we knew, we know what he's like and we know what he's all about, but we're just so proud of you, Tiki. Just keep working hard, keep being yourself and being true to yourself and make your family proud. Who are you planning for? I plan for my family. Yeah, thanks for my family. What a fantastic story and a fantastic smile, spirit, and energy that that young man has. Well, it, it's it's a phenomenal story, a great human interest story. But think about the fact that he didn't start playing basketball until he was 14 years old. Major and, upside. And kids in the United States start when they're in diapers, shooting hoops <laughs> on their little Nerf basketball so his skill set is off the charts, and the potential is who knows, right? He could be an NBA top. Sure. We just don't know yet. And so what a great diamond in the rough, but what an unbelievable story. Very excited to see how that progresses. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, two and a half weeks out from Selection Sunday. Feels like it's closer. It is not. The WCC tournament's like way before, right? Let's update the men's hoops resume to set up our topic today. The net is 53. That's up two spots. Ken Palm is the same at 52. These are not great numbers. They need to be higher. Bracketology, still second team out. Waiting for an update on that. Team rankings. 5.4% 5.4% chance to make the tourney. Not good! Bracket matrix. You're always just in 43 of the 132 brackets. So, work to do in that regard. But, San Diego State last night uh, became a quad one game for BYU. BYU has now four quad one wins. That helps. It's not going to get BYU helps. in the tourney right now. But on Selection Sunday, if that holds, it's better than three. No, for sure. I mean, you look at all of the teams that are on the bubble, and <clears throat> BYU has the most quad one wins. 
and and has a great quad one quad two record and so yes. that are out right the that teams are out. just in like yeah mm-hmm. iowa state has like eight no it's true something yeah the combined quad first one, quad eight two, yeah. you know eight teams out right yeah. byu's right there their resume is, is is nice you know but definitely have some work to do uh to to get in okay you heard nick robinson talk about it but yesterday on byu basketball with mark pope the aforementioned Mark Pope had this to say about perhaps another non-conference game next week pre-WCC tournament. So, um, we, you know, we, we kind of have this option of a Tuesday or a Wednesday, depending on the team, and none of this is, you know, solid. Everybody's kind of speculating. There's a lot of teams that are kind of with us. They're saying, hey, let's see how the weekend goes and see how we feel it out. But, um, you know, th- there's a travel component. Uh, if we do one of these games, it'll most likely be on the road, so it can be a quad one game for us, which is, which is a needle mover if we could go win it. Um, and and Nick is is canvas everybody. He was on the phone with the Utah Jazz today, seeing if they could get us a quad one game <laughs> up at the up at the Vivint Smart Home. So we're, we're quad one A, I think. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. We're trying we're trying to see, but um, you know, all of that is. You know, it feels like a little COVID-ish, right? It's 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 um it's going to change every hour. Okay, so this is interesting. The only reason BYU can do this is because the Portland game didn't happen. By the way, if that had happened, BYU right. cannot do this. Right. Uh, but they have this opportunity. So I ask you this: Does BYU need another quad one game to get into the NCAA tournament? Feels like it's a dumb question, but we don't know that BYU is going to match up with a San Francisco or St. Mary's. Right. Uh, a, a winnable game. Gonzaga doesn't feel that winnable right now, right? Um, in the WCC tournament, but perhaps another non-con you can fix that. I think so. I I think they definitely need another quad one, um, and just because of the way that they've been playing as of late, and they've dropped so far in the net rankings and Ken Palm stuff, and so they need another resume building win to show that hey, they're playing well right now and. Uh, they're just looking for another opportunity. I know Coach Pope and his staff, they're going to give their, cha- their, their team every chance possible to, to get in that tournament. Grant Flanders, who covers Kansas State, tweeted yesterday, Bruce Weber, Kansas State head coach, said they're working on getting another non-conference game since they had one canceled before league play began. They don't know where it would fit in the schedule, but they are looking into it. Robin McCombs of Vanquish the Foe. Keep an eye on BYU at Kansas State Wednesday, March 2nd. Remember, BYU right now is probably playing on Friday right? next week. Would be a quad one game for BYU against a future Big 12 foe, hearing a lot of buzz about this game potentially happening. Literally during that soundbite we played for Mark Pope, Robbie tweeted, and I just clicked on it, uh, some more information about this. He, he talks about Kansas State playing Iowa State on Saturday, Monday at Texas Tech. Hmm. So then Wednesday it'd be one game, uh, one day of prep to potentially play BYU. Um, it was mentioned, and I'm told in this conversation, that it would likely be neutral or road. But what's interesting is BYU is outside of the top 50 in net right now, so it would be a quad two if it's neutral. If mm. it's home, it'd definitely be quad two because BYU's not top 30 right. for that team. Mm-hmm. So logistically, let's look at a couple of teams that could be in the mix, potentially, based on who's out and might need a mutually beneficial game. Now, I say mutually beneficial. It's only going to benefit the team that wins. <laughs> if BYU loses, see ya. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? But, if, but you're playing for the opportunity, as you mentioned. We put up four on this graphic here. Loyola, Chicago. Hey, they played a neutral game to, mm-hmm. with San Francisco. They've already In done Utah. this. In Utah. They've been here. 
SMU, Memphis, Kansas State. Kansas State is at 63, plays in the Big 12, which is the best basketball conference. They need a game. But I am told it depends what happens this weekend. Hmm. Now, let's, let's say that Kansas State splits and they beat Iowa State, who's barely in, by the way. Then maybe Kansas State's feeling like, they're better uh, in a better situation. They don't need another game. Mm-hmm. Let's say they lose both. Texas Tech, really good, by the way. Let's say they lose both. Now, maybe they need the game. So what you want is perhaps for some of these teams to lose this weekend so that a need, a hunger, is created for a game with BYU. Let's Absolutely. talk through some of those teams. Uh, Sean Walker of KSL.com putting out a list. Washington State, UAB, TCU, Oklahoma State, Belmont, Notre Dame, St. Louis, Kansas State. BYU's in a desperate spot, but definitely if you get if you get that kind of game next week, gosh, that's exciting, and you still hope you match up with San Francisco, perhaps in a quarterfinal. We're anticipating right. BYU's going to be the probably the five in Vegas, still waiting officially on. Like, <laughs> are we using win percentage? Are we using <laughs> Ken Palm adjusted win? Like, what are we doing going into Vegas? We still don't know on Wednesday before. The brackets released Saturday night or I Sunday. I know. So a lot of uncertainty. Not exactly sure, but you just can't guarantee Ty that you're going to get USF or even a St. Yeah. Mary's in a semi. So go get this game. Sounds like BYU is doing its due diligence. Yeah. Twenty teams reached out to. Right. So, but you're right. I mean, from the other team's perspective, it has to be a beneficial game for them as well. Do they want a quad two with BYU? That's interesting, right? I don't know. I think you would take a quad two over not playing, right? You're you're trying you're to rolling, add something. You're trying to add something to your resume. Yeah. And so, yeah, if it's a quad two and it, and it makes sense and that's the only team available, you're going to play that game just to give yourself another chance to win and another chance to prove you you belong in the tourney. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Kansas State rivals writer Grant Flanders says Bruce Weber feels like an extra game next week would be cutting into the schedule a little bit more than he would like. What's the chance Cougars get an extra game next week? I think it's low. I think that there are just too many moving parts. I think there's too much trepidation from other teams that are on the bubble. Even though BYU apparently is willing to go on the road and play pretty much wherever. Yeah. I just this tells me that BYU is not going to play Kansas State. And you know what? As long as BYU gets San Francisco, fine. Whatever. I would love this game. I think it helped BYU's resume, but uh BYU's probably a quad two to most people at home because they're 50 or 49 or whatever. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's more of a scheduling issue because BYU's tourney is very early, and a lot of these other teams that BYU would try and want to get, they're still playing their regular season at the end of next week. Yeah. So it doesn't make a ton of sense for other teams. I would love to see it, though. I think it helped BYU. Well, If they got another win and another win, let's go. If BYU has to play on Friday... Now you're talking about playing a game on Tuesday and then going to the WCC tournament and playing on Friday and Saturday and then having to turn around if you win that game and play on Monday. That's a lot. I counted it up that if BYU did add this extra game and played Friday, Saturday, Monday, that with this week, they would play like six and 11 days or something crazy. 
That's wild. That's too much. Too much. Yeah. Especially, Caleb just told us, like, the fewer, the games, fewer games, the, the better. better. Yes. Know? He doesn't want the run-up to Saturday. Jaron, BYU women's basketball scored over the century mark for a third time this season. Methinks they're a little bugged by the lack of rankings and seating respect from the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. But I ask you this. What is the most impressive 100-point game BYU has put forth this season? 101 against Utah State, 104 against Pepperdine in a 51-point win, or the 37-point win over Santa Clara? Yes, correct. <laughs> All of them, man. They're amazing, dude. I'll give the uh-huh. nod. I'll give the nod to Santa Clara just because it was on the road. The other two games were at home. It's tough to go 100 plus not in your own gym. Yeah, it's not that hard when you're playing Santa Clara. More <laughs> impressive, the sliding catch by Colin Reuter, the catcher, mm-hmm. or the win against Arizona State. Ooh. Well, if you haven't seen the catch, it's pretty tough to beat this individual effort. Show it to you. I mean, Colin Reuter. If you don't know him, you should, BYU baseball fans. This Here dude is. is legit. Watch this individualized effort. He's falling back towards his own dugout, makes the catch, and then slides into the BYU dugout as his teammates <laughs> celebrate around him. Uh, fant- That's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, at the time, BYU was losing the game. Maybe that changed the momentum. So I'm going to say I'm going to go with the catch, and I'm going to say that changed the momentum of the game and allowed BYU to win 4-2. to mm, Great catch. I'll go with the win because it's still 2-2 in the ninth. That was pretty early in the game. But Hayden Latham leads off with a double. You get things going, then you close it out on the road against Arizona State. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Barry BYU's, Bonds ain't walking through that door for ASU. BYU's beating Ohio State and Arizona State back-to-back. Pretty That's good. pretty good. And if Barry Bonds walking through that door, he's not as skinny as he used to be. Jerem, that multiple win, jokes there. That win over Arizona State also brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU as an athletic department is a combined 15-2 and 1 against the entire Pac-12 conference across all sports since August. Women's tennis. Head-to-head competition. Yeah, women's tennis uh, has the two losses. Mm-hmm. They do have a win over Baylor, though, which is nice. Okay. Right. So. Soccer tied Utah. Soccer tied Utah. That's one of the lower like games of the year, you know, performances. But, hey, maybe they needed that in the Utah State games to <laughs> go to the national championship game. Who knows? Okay. Pretty good, man. Are we going to hang a banner for this, too? Maybe. <laughs> How would you best describe the BYU-Pac-12 relationship over the last athletic calendar year? Sheer dominance. It's been really fun. De facto Pac-12 champions, right? It continues. We should hang another banner. I'm telling you. Roll it down. Bring back the same banner. It's Who has that, by the way? Yeah, Ben, where'd that go? Do you have that? (laughs) Can we have it? Where do you rank the Cosmo Surf Dunk in the Cosmo Stunt Pantheon from last night? This is pretty cool. Um, Man, this is is up there, but to me, number one is still the human pyramid from the three-point line oh. where he falls yes. and then dunks. That will be hard to beat, bro. That will be hard the to hu- beat. The human pyramid dunk where he falls the from th- the three-point line. It's a three-point dunk. It's wild. Yeah, that's number one to me still. Yes. Yes. So this I love top five. Great. He's done some fantastic stunt oh, dunks. I don't e- no offense to Cosmo. I don't even know if it's top five. Honestly, that's a Thursday night for Cosmo. <laughs> like the balance, the goggles, like you said. Cosmo's amazing. I was telling the truck, I was like, hey, watch this. Something crazy is going to happen. And so they showed it live. 
I th- they probably were regardless. It's not because I asked them, but I was like, hey, just in case. Just just in case. It was worth having the cameras on him. Always. Costco is literally the best. Like, BYU has amazing things. Like, the most uh, consistent, amazing thing at BYU to me is Cosmo. Like, like the, performance. He is the elite He's pinnacle. N- never, never below amazing. Right? <laughs> never. That's, I love you, Cosmo. serious praise. Holy cow. Love you, Cosmo. All right. Like, let's... platonically and romantically. I love Cosmo. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.